This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, not joined by Alex this time. He is currently in the uh, process of buying a house, and so he had to go uh, do some stuff related to that. So we do have a couple guests on the show, big guests. We've got Sam and Tim from Hotspur America. Thanks guys so much for coming on the show and joining us or me, I guess. Appreciate you having us. We have, we've so. never done anything like this before. Yeah, so we've kind of never been guested before. We've had guests, but we've never, we've never been asked to be guests. So super pumped to be here. Yeah. It's, I mean, we, we definitely try to get, or have made a point lately to try and get some, uh, opposing fans, on the show to get, you know, the authentic because no one knows the team better than the fans. We could look up stats all day, but nothing's going to give us the inside scoop like two pro podcasters like yourselves. Um, so, so let's just start with and we'll start with, I guess, Sam, um, how you guys became Spurs fans in the first place and then uh, how you ended up on this doing a podcast about them. Sure. Well, for me, it's easy. You know, I grew up in North London. So I, I, I grew up in London when uh, Spurs were exciting to watch. They were considered one of the better teams in the league, certainly cup specialists. So I was 11 years old in 1981 when uh, we won the FA Cup, the first of two in a row. We beat Man City. And uh, it was a great team. They had an amazing player named Glenn Hoddle, who was number 10. He was really sort of a, ahead of his time. He was really sort of a continental two-footed player. Just did remarkable, remarkable things that nobody was really doing in the in the league at the time, and so it was an easy team for me to fall in love with, especially because I was living in North London. So that was uh, that, that was that was my you know, beginning of uh, falling in love with uh, with the club. Timmy, you? Yeah, I didn't grow up in North London. I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Played club soccer, so I've always played growing up. And when it started getting more coverage over here in the U.S. around 2011, 2012, I decided to choose a team. I immediately kind of struck some teams off my list. I didn't want to have people tell me, oh, you're just a glory hunter. You're only choosing them because they win. So, yep, relatable. Yeah, exactly. So around that time, you know, United, Liverpool, Chelsea all get taken off the list. And I watched a little bit, decided, you know, looked at styles of play, who I enjoyed watching. It was 2011. So Harry Redknapp was the manager we had a very attacking style of play. It was fun to watch players like Gareth Bale, Defoe in that lineup. And I just really enjoyed watching it. Also, playing FIFA, I was in school at the time. One of my good friends was an Arsenal supporter. So I would always choose Tottenham to play against yeah. him. And that, that kind of had a big part in it just kind of to give him a little shit for it. Oh. Are we allowed to cuss on your podcast? Is that Go for it, man. We usually right, don't. Cool. Okay. Alex is gone. Parents, parents are out for the weekend, so we got it. All right. Yeah, we, we kind of let it fly a little bit, especially yeah, this sure. season. No worries, man. Shit, shit. <laughs> this is a good practice for us, Tim. I'll just mark it as explicit. <laughs> there we go. But yeah, that's kind of how I fell in love with the club. I went and studied abroad summer of 2012, decided I was going to visit the stadium, take the tour of it before I fully committed and I learned a little bit about the history of the club while on that tour and really loved it and been Tottenham ever since. Both very interesting stories. Uh, Tim, how old are you just, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 31. 
Okay. So I, I just think it's interesting how FIFA has like played a big role, I think, <laughs> in the popularization of soccer in America. And we won't, I'll, I'll digress on that because, but I do find it very interesting because it is like a kind of a gateway into what, the whole thing. And what about you? Because I'm sure we're going to have our listeners listen to this. Let them know how you came supporting Everton and where you're from. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm from Maine. I'm sure most of our listeners know that, but yours don't. And so, not a very soccer crazy culture, definitely. But yeah. um, back like in the day, ice sports hockey, like right? yeah, ice there? hockey for sure. Hockey's yeah. are kind of our our thing, yeah. But um, I did play soccer growing up, so all through you know my youth, um, never really paid too much attention to wor- continental European, what have you, soccer. But I do remember watching a lot of the old Fox Soccer Channel, and you would just get like the most random games, Syria, Bundesliga, everything. Um, and and one day Everton were on and. It wasn't even anything in particular. I don't think that that caught my eye besides like the crest. And I was just like, okay, I like Everton. But then of course, like I picked them and then I grew more and more into them over the years towards the end of the David Moyes era. I remember vividly when he left for Manchester United feeling devastated. Uh, Roberto Martinez coming in and, and kind of lifting us um, to a really positive season in his first year. And then it all fell apart. But uh, yeah, that's what drew me to the club. And similar to you, Tim, you know, I didn't want to pick one of the the top clubs because everyone has uh, their knows their Manchester United fans. Although I have a best friend who's a Man U fan, and he is like, it's tough times for Man U fans who joined during the Fergie era. But you know, all those quote unquote glory hunter teams. Um, so then I picked like one of the teams just below that tier, and uh, we've been struggling in the the top ten area, pushing for that, trying to break into that top six ever since. So that's my story. That's great. You know, as, a, as an outsider, right. And, and, you know, many Americans in the last 10 years have done exactly what you've done, which is, you know, find their club. And I could never fault anybody for supporting Everton, you know, for, for many of the reasons that, that you described, they're an incredibly likable club. You know, one, one of the things I think has raised Everton's profile is men and blazers and Roger Bennett, who I absolutely adore. And I, I think he, so eloquently, you know, verbalizes the, the the pain and the you know the misery of being a football supporter. You know, particularly when you know, you've got a struggling team, and we can empathize as Spurs fans. You know, with, with you know quite a bit of disappointment as well. So uh, I really I love love how he expresses his uh, his love for the club and, and just his you know sheer disappointment and sort of you know an agonizing uh, defeat. So yeah, Roger Bennett's kind of our white whale of a guest. It'd be like. <laughs> We're dying to have him on, but um, maybe someday. I'll I'll just put it that way. Well, um, we'll send we'll send a tweet. We'll send a tweet. Yeah. Saying, Raj, get on this get on this podcast. Come on Raj, do it for us. Yeah, that'd be great. Good luck. Well, good luck. Yeah, you do thank now. you. So let's talk about uh, the season so far. I think both Spurs fans and Everton fans are united in kind of we can kind of commiserate here because we're both off to pretty poor starts. You sit two points above us in the table. And yeah, we're both bottom lost. half. We both lost to Brighton recently. Yeah. So we yes. got a lot of similarities right now. We both had managers we have really high hopes for heading into the season. And now we sit here. Yeah. And there's a lot of parallels. I mean, I think Everton, I think the Spurs model over the last probably, you know, even eight, nine decade um, is something that a lot of other clubs have tried to emulate. And I don't, I think there's some parallels, but I also think Everton have just, we've splashed cash left and right now that we've had. Uh, the new owner for Farad Moshiri come in. But I think, you know, the smaller club looking to build a project over several years is something that, you know, other clubs have tried to, tried to emulate, including Everton. But this season, th- things seem to be a little bit off at Spurs. So can you guys maybe break down a little bit of what's going wrong? 
Sam, you want to take a crack at this or have me oh go God. for it? Where, where, where do we start? <laughs> I, I'll, I'll start with one snippet and then Tim, you, 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 you fill in and there's plenty to fill in. I, I think the biggest thing that we've been really struggling with is three very, very important talented players that we didn't address their, their, their contracts. And that's Toby Oldevero, that's uh, Young Bertongan, and, and particularly Christian Erickson. And, uh, you know, I call them kind of lame duck players. They're, they're here for now. They're really not going to, I think it's, it's all been done that, that certainly Erickson is not going to be a Spurs player. He's sort of expressed his desire to, to go on to another project. And, uh, you know, it's tough. It's tough, um, having such an instrumental player that is just not his normal self. And I think the sort of aura around the team has, has changed. Uh, you know, we had obviously a remarkable season, you know, last year and that we got to a Champions League final, but our league performance was really poor. And I think that final really was somewhat, you know, kind of papering over cracks. So that's probably the, the biggest reason that, but Tim, I mean, there's probably so many other things to talk about, right? I mean, yeah, that is the biggest one is players who just aren't happy to be here anymore. And you can tell from attitudes and body language on the pitch that some of them just aren't giving their all. They're no longer diving in the tackles like they used to. They, it's kind of like they're preserving themselves for their next club. And it's just real easy to see. And then you have other players like Deli Ali, who has just lost form. It's not that he doesn't care. It's just he's no longer playing at the level he used to or that we know he's able to. So that's it from the player aspect. But then we've had some issues with our manager. And there's a big issue going on at Spurs right now between fans. There's a very small faction that are potch out. They don't want him here anymore, but they're very vocal on Twitter. And it seems like the ones who are behind the manager are less vocal and we're kind of just hiding in the shadows because we can't really say he's doing anything well at the moment, but we do believe in him. And some things are he tries to persevere with the three players Sam mentioned who aren't playing well right now, at least for Christian Erickson. He's playing horrible, but he keeps getting minutes ahead of players who are going to be here for future seasons. And also he keeps trying to push formations or tactics that we've seen already through the season haven't worked for us. He tries to start a midfield trio of who is it? Musa Sissoko, Sissoko, Harry Winks and, and Winks, yeah. Yeah. And I just don't think that trio pairs well together. And these last two games, he hasn't played them, but to start off the season, he was really trying to force that. And so that's another one of our issues is just the tactics. They're they're not what they used to be. And players have come and talked about it. When he plays that trio, they get too tired. Musa Sissoko came out and talked about it before the last international break that they get too tired in that formation with the pressing. And so you can see that at the ends of the games where in past seasons we're winning points the last 10 minutes, we're losing them now. Yeah, it's it's been an a there's an astonishing difference, you know, over Spurs right now relative to a year year and a half ago. You know, we we thought get the stadium behind us, uh, somehow find a way to stay in Champions League, and everything will be smooth sailing, and it really hasn't been. And I, and it's just been a it's been a shock to to everybody uh, inside the club and 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 supporters alike. So here we here we are in what you know either in the bottom half of the table, nearing the bottom half of the table, and. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's an unusual place for us to be in uh, relative to the last you know, three or four years at Spurs. Unfortunately, I can't say the same for Everton, who uh, <laughs> have had some really dire spells. But I, I think many fans would kind of echo the sentiments you expressed about Pochettino, about Marco Silva, specifically the resistance to change and continuing the same thing, running the same lineup over and over again, and it just producing the exact same result. 
Uh, we've seen that with the four two three one formation. We've seen it um, specifically. I think most fans take issue with his selection in midfield, uh, refusing to maybe play a bit more offensively, and the dependence on a on a consistent defensive midfield or t- sometimes two defensive midfielders rather than going, you know, a four three three is what Silva really prefers to play. He said that many times, but it just seems he doesn't really have the personnel that he needs. Um, many say that Gilfie Sigurdsson is the reason he's not able to his, his necessity. He needs to play like as a second striker or as that number 10. Um, and that's kind of prevented us from playing maybe a more balanced set of midfielders. But the other thing that's really hurt us this season is the loss of Adrissagana Gay um, to PSG. And then his replacement, Jean-Philippe Gabamin has been injured. So it's been, it's been tough times for Everton. We've lost five of our last matches in the league. In the same vein, Spurs have had really, really poor away form, lost nine of the last 11 away. Um, I mean, it's hard to win away in this league. Everybody knows that. But nine of 11, I mean, for for the expectations that Spurs fans have, that's just going to be flat out unacceptable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and Spurs supporters are, are up in arms about our, our pitiful performance uh, away. I mean, I, we on the pod, we've kind of had this longstanding philosophy that, you know, you you got to win your away games. And then when you're playing away with the top four, you know, just don't don't give up points, you know, get a draw and, and, and get out of there. And and uh, we've, we've really done neither. Uh, but also before the new stadium, when we were in Wembley, away games were really where we were getting our points. We yeah. were good on the road. We were, yeah. So you guys are both, uh, are you guys both potch in, I assume? Yes. Yes. And, and, and I, there's a number of reasons why. There's an angry element at Spurs Twitter right now that's calling for Jose Mourinho. I mean, we all as supporters like shiny things. And and I think that you, know, you, look at, you look at a manager like him, and he certainly obviously has a tremendous body of work. I'm of the mindset that that he's his ways and, and means. I, I think are a little bit in the in the past, and I think his time at United, I think, really showed that. What you know, big ego and a manager that comes in and thinks he's bigger than a club, and especially a place like United, and you, you see how it is. I I think Pochettino is deserving of, and this is the hard thing for Spurs fans to really accept right now. We're having to rebuild. We we literally are, and that's really almost unimaginable given you know where we were you know a season and a half ago. So yeah, so there's an angry element about you know potch out, and I'm not a buyer of it. Tim, you, you're not either, are you? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not happy with him at the moment. Some of his decisions, but I'm definitely it's not. not without blame. No question. Right? Yeah. This this last episode we had on our podcast, we struggled with a listener question asking, "What is he doing well right now?" We couldn't think of anything at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. We really couldn't. Yeah, but in. I think it's important like sometimes to take a step back and look at the perspective of like, you know, Spurs and the re- the rebuild is a really good point because I think just from an outside perspective, it seems like you've been building and building this project for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, maybe last season was the culmination of that project. And now you're left with a situation where, yeah, like you said, I mean, Spurs have done an incredible job of keeping their players uh, just in the squad and not selling them and keeping them on, you know, decent length of their contract so that, they're really not able to be prized away by another team. And now you've got, like you said, those three players who are wantaways at this point. Um, it makes things very difficult when you have those types of attitudes in the locker room. And I think it definitely, you know, bleeds into the other players. It really does. And the problem is yeah. you see them go off on international duty and they play really well. And then they come back to Spurs and it's gone. Yeah, particularly Erickson. And the other thing is this is, you know, you've got this great, you've got this very good player. And, he doesn't want to be here. And you, you 
that, that just has to rub off on, on a team. And, and then the question is, as well, are players not tired of Pochettino? And I'm not so sure that that's necessarily the case, but we've just got to get these players gone. We've got to address it. We, we should have, the classic kind of should or get off the pot. I mean, we, we shouldn't be here talking about these players. They, they should have been either signed on or definitively, uh, you know, gone from our plans and starting play or starting playing players that are going to be. Yeah. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll see some of that Sunday. So just to, you know, put things in perspective for Everton fans and our wins against the top six are very, very few and far between, but our last win versus Spurs was in December of 2012. Clint Dempsey actually scored the only Spurs goal in the 74th minute before Everton, uh, Steven Pinar and Nikita Jelovic put two in, in, you know, 90 minute plus, uh, to come back. But it's been really tough for Everton against Spurs. And personally, I know Alex actually doesn't like Spurs at all. Um, I kind of wish he was here to kind of stir the pot a little. But of all the top teams, I think I have the most respect for Spurs and I have the the least animosity towards you guys, despite the fact that last season uh, you guys absolutely destroyed us. I believe it was 4-0. Um, and then it was, the, of course, the 6-2 at Goodison. And our, our season last year was you know driven by our home form. So that, that game came as a complete shock to me. Um, but of course, you guys were were in a really good spot last season. And I don't know, it's Goodison, Goodison Park again on Sunday. How are you guys feeling going into the match? Not great. No, uh, not great at all. Uh, we just don't know which Spurs. You know, I mean, first of all, we don't know what lineup we're going to cart out. And we don't know. We had a bit of encouraging play against Red Star in the Champions League. And it looked like we had our Spurs back. But I think, generally speaking, supporters were t- kind of tapping the brakes because it was Red Star. And we, and then we, you know, we, we come out with a lineup against Liverpool. It's completely different. And so it's really hard to rate and try to get into Pochettino's mind in terms of what his lineup will be and what, and what his approach to, to the match will be. I, I, you know, Tim's fantastic at this stuff. I mean, Timmy, what do you think we, what do you think we, we do and how we approach this match lineup wise and, and tactically? You know, there's a difference between what I think we'll do and what I think we should do. And, I'm afraid to say it, but I think Pochettino is going to go back out there and put in Erickson. I think he's probably going to bring Yambertongan back in it. And that's probably my biggest concern is Yambertongan and Toby Alderweireld being a pairing. I think Vertongan's lost, lost some of his pace that he used to have. He's getting older. He's in his 30s now. And I have a lot of concerns with him trying to keep pace with Richarlison. That's, that's probably my biggest concern right now is that followed by how we're going to line up at right back. Because we have a situation right now where with our right backs, we have Serge Aurier, who's kind of seen as a liability waiting to happen. It's either a red card, a penalty kick, or something that can really cost us the game. Then you have Kyle Walker-Peters, who can't even be trusted to come in when you're playing. Who was it that we were playing that we had? Aurier was suspended. You had our other right back, who's really a center back, Juan Foyth injured, and he couldn't even be trusted to play. So what Pochettino does is he plays Musa Sissoko at right back, which he's not a right back. Right. And then our other option is Juan Foyth, who hasn't played for us this season, at least starting because he's been injured. And he's not a right back. And he's not a right back. He's been playing right back some for Argentina, but he's traditionally a center back for us. And those are your options. We sold Kieran Trippier in the offseason and didn't bring in a replacement. And so my biggest, con- my second biggest concern is who's going to play right back because that's who's going to have to deal with Awobi and 
dinga for you guys. And that's a concern for me as well. If we put Kyle Walker Peters out there, we're done. If we put Arie out there, there's a chance he gives a free kick on the edge of the box or even a penalty. And so defensively is probably where our biggest issues are at the moment. And this is really almost unimaginable for, for Spurs fans because, you know, when we were playing our best under Pochettino, so much of what we did came from fullback play. When we had Kyle Walker and we had Danny Rose and they were they were two of the best uh, uh, you know, fullbacks in the league. And, and now we just don't really have we, – we, we don't really hurt teams in the manner that we, uh, that, that we used to. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me just how crucial the fullback position has become in football. You look at a, a club like Liverpool, of course. I hate to oh, – as much as it I know, pains we, me. We and said I on the pod the other day, I mean, there were that question. I mean, the, the, the best fullback pairing – you know, by, by miles almost, you know, in, in the league, they're fantastic. And, and I think a lot of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, yeah, it we really hate to say it too, so. yeah, we, we can relate in that respect <laughs> for sure. Um, but you know, this, in the same vein, Luca Dean, like you mentioned, Tim has probably been our most consistent player over the last season. Um, he's not in the greatest form right now, and you can probably extend that to most of the rest of the side, save maybe Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's actually on a bit of a scoring run, but I, it's interesting. Spurs are, are tricky because actually last season, Everton were fairly competitive with almost every top six team or top team that came to Goodison. And it's what's especially interesting about Marco Silva's setup is where we struggled most is against the teams that we really should be beating. We really struggle to break down teams that set up in a low block. But when teams are willing to open up and really actually try to play and score goals, we tend to be pretty dangerous on the counterattack because Again, as you mentioned, Tim, like Richarlison, really potent on the counter. Uh, Sigurdsson, when he's in space, is really dangerous and prone to pick a really nice pass. Um, And then we have a couple other injuries. Bernard picked up an MCL uh, partial tear this past weekend at Brighton. So that's a big loss for us. But it'll be interesting to see how Everton line up. Where I'm most concerned is in if the game gets a little too open because we've shown ourselves to be very vulnerable, vulnerable on the counterattack. And I know that Spurs can be very lethal as well um, with the likes of Kane. Young Son Min is maybe the most likable player in the entire Premier League. Uh, absolutely love him. But for me, yeah, my biggest concern is going to be the center backs specifically because we had Yerry Mina go out of the Carabao Cup midweek uh, against Watford. And we're not sure if he'll be fit. Mason Holgate slotted him for him and actually played fairly well and played at the weekend against Brighton and played all right. But for for me, he can be a bit inconsistent. And in open play, I'm, I'm a little worried he might get exposed. So we'll be in for, I think, probably some goals in this game, I'd have to expect, if it opens up the way I expect it to. I, th- I think one player to really watch out for for Spurs this week is going to be Tongi Ndombele. I think he's going to get a start. I think he'll get you know close to a, a, a full match. And if you know, Red Star, his performance Red Star, his cameo role for 20 minutes against Liverpool is any evidence uh, that he may be ready to finally have his breakout you know, full proper game breakout, and uh, and I think that he could really be an engine for us that we've we, we've been missing, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether he gets the start. I think he will. Timmy, you think he starts? He needs to. I mean, that's probably the most obvious selection Pochettino should make is Tungi and Dombele needs to start, but he doesn't need to start with a trio of Winks and Sissoko because yeah, it, it just doesn't work. He needs to start with either Winks or Sissoko kind of doing a four, two, three, one. That's really what we've excelled with in the past. Yeah. So, so again, I don't oh, go, go ahead, Sam. Well, I was going to ask you, James. So, so you, you, your, your pocket's made, his name's Alex. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's interesting that, that he doesn't like Spurs because, you know, it's, if you ask most Spurs fans, I think they have an affinity for, for Everton and they're a sporty, great club, right? I mean, especially the family environment, you know, you've got your noisy neighbors who must just, I mean, wind you up all the time. You know, we've got noisy neighbors too. Uh, and you've got you know, great history, been in the league for a long time. So, I mean, you're a very, very likable club. And I would have thought that, that most Everton fans probably would have, you know, reciprocated and shared. I'd love to know why he, uh, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't quite share the same feelings as uh, as you do about Spurs. Me too. I, I we've never really broken it down, but I just know that he holds like this special hatred right. in his heart. Well, we're gonna but, go home and home. So yeah, you know, we'll do, we'll, when uh, when you come back to uh, to our stadium, we'll get together for a pod and we'll have a we'll have a hearty discussion about that. Yeah, you can break it down with him. You get real deeply uh, psychoanalyze him and figure out <laughs> the root cause. Proper uh, but yeah, I appreciate both you guys' time. Let's let's wrap things here. Uh, let's do score predictions. I know it's. Uh, a futile task, but uh, let's start with you, Sam. What do you predict uh, is going to be gonna going to unfold uh, on Sunday? Mm, golly, it's just so tough. Uh, I'll I'll answer this from the heart, uh, and I'm going to say three 0 Spurs, which is just a kiss of death. Why did I say that? Now we're going to trounce Tim. <laughs> I'm going to answer it from the brain, and I'm going to say probably a high scoring two two draw. I like that a little bit better, Tim. Uh, Sam, I mean, yours is very likely to play out. I think this is this is really a big test for Everton because we played Man City. That's the only other top team we've really played this season. We lost 3-1. This will be a huge match for Marco Silva to either win back the fans or further alienate them. For me, I just don't really see a way we can beat Spurs despite the fact that you guys aren't in the greatest form. We're not really either. I don't know what, what Spurs are going to. I don't know what Spurs are going to be facing. Let me ask you this: if if, if Everton loses, is Silva's job in jeopardy? No, I don't think it is. And you could ask probably ten Everton fans this and get five of each who say he might be out. I think the camp of Silva out is growing week by week. But for me, it'd be very harsh unless we get absolutely throttled, absolutely throttled, like a six-two again. I could actually realistically see Silva getting the sack. But if we play even respectably, and even if we lose, and my prediction is going to be a 3-2 loss, and it's not very often that I predict a loss on this podcast, but the majority of being Spurs fans here has kind of like swayed me. Um, but f- I think like a comf- uh, close but eventual loss, I think he keeps his job for a little bit longer. I just still think that the board is very resistant to go in the market for another manager in the middle of the season. You know, your thoughts probably make a ton of sense there because I don't think either team is 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 deserving of the belief that they can have a cruising result against another team that's you know in sort of you know an agonizing need for a result. You know, an interesting overlay is this: if you if you guys trounce us, Potch's job is in jeopardy. I mean, let's just say that you beat us four 0 I mean, you know, something something that I think a lot of people you know wouldn't have see, wouldn't have seen. I, I think is. I wonder whether that would be the uh, the final nail in the coffin. I don't know. I don't think so. You don't think? So the, the reason I don't think so is our chairman, Daniel Levy, very financially driven. He's got to buy out his contract. He's got to buy out his entire staff's contracts. And he's not going to do that, just from a financial aspect of it. The thing I'm dreading in this match, I'm really dreading it, is like, a Theo Walcott last minute. Oh, God, yeah. Well, be that, so that would be the worst possible outcome yeah. is him to get a winner like in the 91st minute. Do you have something like that, James? Like that's Spursy. That, I mean, and it, you know, we've had Spursiness for, you know, 20 plus years now where something, you know, 
like that happens. You, you know, you play a team and you get done in the 94th minute and it's, you know, from a rival or somebody that you sold. You guys have a phrase for that? Is yeah, like the phrase ever- is, uh, the phrase is Everton that. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I mean, if it said it with a British accent, it would sound a Scouse accent. It would sound a lot better, but uh, right. yeah, it is. Uh, we are full of it. I mean, losing, going. So, I mean, encapsulated beautifully in the match against Brighton last weekend, we go down one nil having never come back against from a losing position under Marco Silva. We then score two goals, go up in the 70th minute only to capitulate and concede two and lose three, two. So I couldn't believe it myself. That was peak Everton. Uh, Peak Everton also was, and this is going to trigger a lot of our listeners, but um, the Merseyside Derby last season where Pickford, I mean, off the top of the crossbar. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's like, that is, if you just want a snapshot of what it's like to be an Everton fan, that doesn't get much more pure than that right there. So that, Everton that is yeah that's the phrase Spursy I think is a good they're very similar well we will see how it turns out we we really do appreciate you inviting us on this is a lot of fun something we've never done before that I would like us to do again absolutely I like the idea of a home and home so thoroughly look forward to uh, repaying the favor and having uh, you and Alex on I haven't looked at the picture list when it's going to be I imagine sometime in the spring but yeah, I think very so. much forward to doing that and uh, and if we can do uh, the next thing I'm going to do after hanging up here, I'm going to send out a tweet and I'm going to say, hey, Raj Bennett, uh, you know, and I'll shout you guys out and uh, fingers crossed and he should come on your pod. Man. Uh, we would love it. Thanks, both of you. Thanks, Sam and Tim. Uh, it's the, the Twitter is at Hotspur America. Pretty easy. If you guys want to plug your personal Twitters, do you can. This is the spot. So go right okay. ahead. Yep. I'm at Z-Tronch, Z-T-R-A-N-C-H-E. Our other podcast mate is Vasconi. He's at VCon1. And Tim? How about how do you try, try and remember mine? It is at T-I-M-M-A-H-6. Two, one. There you go. Hey. That's the first time he's ever got it correct. <laughs> he was probably reading it off Twitter. You know, the, reason, no, the only reason I remembered it is I, on, my, on my flight from uh, from uh, South Carolina, I listened to the pod and you berated me for getting it wrong. So I remembered it and I, I will never forget it again. So, well, listen, uh, memory. James, thanks so much for having us, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's unfortunate, I guess. You know, somebody's going to be un- un- unhappy on, uh, on, I mean, we'll, and, you know, and if it's a draw, we'll, we'll both be unhappy. So someone's going to be unhappy and, uh, you know, hopefully whoever loses will go on a run after that. Absolutely. Best of luck to you guys on Sunday. Thanks so much for your time and looking forward to that home and home. To All everyone right. listening, thanks so much for checking us out. Hope you enjoyed the guest appearance from Tim and Sam. If you haven't yet, join our Discord server. Uh, the link is on our Twitter. Please do that. Take care of it. Get on it great community and we'll see you guys on the other side until next time up the toffees thanks for tuning in to the american toffee podcast be sure to follow us on twitter at usa toffee pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and everton news and we'll see you guys next time